Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in. Let's get it done. It's David Summer hosting another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. Here comes the story of wrestling in America, as told by the stud whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Now we step back into the ring, back into time. Let's get hooked up with the Tennessee stud. Ron Fuller hanging out in the Great Smoky Mountains. What's going on, Ron? Jace, man, just uh, just enjoying it. Beautiful, beautiful blue sky today. A uh, little cool, but um, wow, I guess it's a little cool around the country, man. Uh, it's been a uh, been a little strange early the, early in the year, but uh, it's made world a difference between this year and last year. That's kind of crazy, <laughs> isn't it? No. Hey. Yeah. This time last year, we were all burning up. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, we, we're actually a little bit of a warming trend in southeast Alabama, but let me say happy Thanksgiving. And are you headed over the river through the woods to Grandma's house? What's going on? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm going up into Kentucky to visit my son, my grandson. Uh, I'm going to be able to watch my grandson play basketball. Wow. A couple of times. Couple of times and, uh, Kind of uh, just get to get to get to out of Dodge for a little bit, man. Be good. That's awesome. And remind us again your grandson's name. Uh, his name is Charles, and uh, Charles is uh, sixteen years old and uh, uh, six foot nine and two hundred and thirty pounds. Oh, he's not Charles. He's Sir Charles. Wow. <laughs> so he's he's how old now? He's he's sixteen. He's sixteen. Just turned sixteen. And he's six nine. Yeah, he's six nine, man. <laughs> yeah, and oh. uh, two hundred two hundred thirty pounds. Uh, heck, uh, at my at that age, I was uh, about six eight, but I was one hundred sixty pounds. Right, right. Oh, so, boy's so, a big boy. Yeah. So when you see this boy, this kid, he's he's staring you eye to eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and me and Chad, my my oldest son, uh, he's a six nine too. Yeah, six yeah, ten, yeah. right, right at six ten, a little taller than me. That's awesome. So, okay, so you're going to catch a basketball game, but you guys going to have kind of the traditional Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a good time Thanksgiving, and uh, I guess I'll come back home toward the weekend. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there too, man. So um, it's a great time of year. What a what a great tradition for us in this country. And you know, just I uh, uh, hope everybody has a safe one and a happy one. 
It is truly uh, an American holiday. You know, we we invented Thanksgiving, and I think that's uh, to me one of the most important holidays any year is a uh, uh, time for everybody to get together and break bread. That's yep. awesome. All right, yeah, and uh, safe travels for you guys and our best of the whole family there in Kentucky, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Good deal. All right. Listen, Ron, you've been alluding to the Knoxville wrestling war. Let's just jump into this thing in some small way. It seems like on every studcast lately, obviously that event changed your life and it began to develop long before 1979. You've already touched on some of the unknown things that are still to come in the future. Just a few minutes ago, by the way, before we started this studcast, you mentioned one of those, someone who's going to appear uh, that in this studcast made you think of that very difficult time in your life again. So do you, do you mind telling everybody about that one? Oh man, uh, absolutely not, Dave, uh, you know, and, uh, and, uh, of course I don't mind uh, talking about it. Uh, it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, a, a subject matter for quite a while here in the future, too. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I was probably going to mention it anyway, as a matter of fact. And uh, and I don't really mind talking about it. Uh, I've kind of grown uh, uh, way past uh, uh, having any bad thoughts about it uh, or uh, any uh, any bad feelings toward people. So, you know, but... Uh, it's kind of like the old expression, you know, it's like kind of like the elephant in the room. And uh, so let's get the elephant out of the room here pretty quick here today. <laughs> right, okay. right. So uh, so when I was doing my research this week, and I do them for all the studcasts, one name obviously kept kind of popping out to me. Uh, in fact, I mentioned he was coming back uh, last week in, uh, in the studcast last week, coming back to Knoxville. And he's on the Knoxville card for this studcast. And that was his first match in almost a year since uh, I looked back up on December 16th, 1977. Almost exactly a year ago was his last match when uh, he wrestled Ronnie Garvin in a steel cage submission match on that on that event. And uh, he's one but the best. He was one of the best wrestlers in the world at that time, uh, undoubtedly. And that could have, uh, you know, and he could have gone and worked in anybody's territory. And he'd been uh, Southeastern Tag Champions with Ronnie Garvin mm-hmm. throughout most of 1977, if you think back on it. And, uh, and then he turned on Garvin and they feuded against each other uh, until that big match on December 16, 1977. <laughs> and on that night, he lost to Garvin in a steel cage submission match and and uh, and that was his last. He kind of disappeared, man, from uh, Knoxville. Mm. He must have had a link to the upcoming Knoxville War, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's, that's exactly right. Okay. He was uh, he was right. one of those people. And uh, the war actually began, and not until May of 1979, but it was started by basically five five members of a 15 man crew that I had at that time. Uh, I call them the Knoxville Five. I kind of got a name for them, and uh, a lot of people uh, associate them with the with that term. And uh, they became the you know became nicknamed uh, you know that, uh, and they decided to start their own wrestling company in Knoxville. So uh, four of those five wrestlers were already wrestling in Southeastern wrestling at this time, 
that we're talking about, uh, and uh, fans will be familiar with this. Everybody listens to the Studcast. And uh, so 44 years ago, uh, Bob Roop was already here in uh, southeastern Knoxville. Uh, Larry Simon, who was the, the Boris Malenko, his real name was Larry Simon, Ron Wright, Ronnie Garvin. Those were four of the five. And, uh, and when I was, again, looking at this week's Knoxville card for Friday, uh, November 17th, 78, I realized that the final piece of that puzzle, man, Bob Orton Jr. was starting back after almost a year's absence. So I don't think any of them at that point in late 1978 had any ideas about establishing their own wrestling company. I don't think at this point uh, they were thinking about uh, trying to do their own thing. But uh, with Bob Orton Jr.'s arrival, the entire group was all there. And all of them were going to become part of history in that war. Hmm. It's going to no doubt be a fascinating subject as we work our way towards it. So I appreciate the fact that you're giving us a little piece of the puzzle. Every studcast, it seems like. So I can't wait to ride with you into something. Very few fans know anything about this wrestling war. Everything was behind the scenes. It was just. Uh, nobody, nobody knew about it then. Very few know about it now. All right. So speaking of riding, where are we going to ride today, Stud? Well, we're going we're to change things up a little bit in this Studcast day, but we're going to ride into southeastern Gulf Coast first this time, and we're going to focus on the card there. And uh, we'll also uh, be talking about the, that card being in the three major markets. We'll be talking about the same week that we're going to be doing in Knoxville, uh, November 17th, the week of November 17th, 1978, basically the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll discuss the special rating period uh, of TV, which this one is going to be like the second week in television. Uh, which uh, that show was going to be on November 11th, 1978, not just in Knoxville, but down south in Dothan and across Alabama in the Florida Panhandle, all along the Gulf Coast. So uh, I'm going to give everybody the results of that card and the attendances in Montgomery, Mobile, and Dothan, like I've been doing the last couple of studcasts. And then we're going to ride back north into Knoxville, and we'll talk about the Coliseum card there on Friday night, November the 17th, 1978. And we'll find out what was on that very important uh, rating period TV that promoted the card. Uh, we'll talk about the results of that card there and the attendance there in Knoxville as well. And then I'm going to talk briefly about uh, stars uh, coming in both territories and uh, those wrestlers that's being swapped from one territory to another during this time frame and uh, why that was important. If we can get to that, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we can, my man. Right. And then another learning tree, if we can get that far. Yeah, okay, so it sounds like you have loaded this thing up, and this is going to be a big-time ride into wrestling history. So I, I can't believe we're starting with uh, my local area. So who was on the Southeastern Gulf Coast card for the three Alabama cities? Well, there were two great baby faces, man, making their debut on the on those nights. Uh, they were in three towns. Monday was Montgomery, uh, Wednesday was Mobile, and Friday was Dothan. So uh, we got two great baby faces coming in, and the opening match featured one of them. Uh, he was a young kid named Frankie Lane. Uh, he had a pretty good future ahead of him, and he's going to be in the first match against uh, Sir Winston. 
Uh, Ricky Fields, we're going to be wrestling against uh, Norvell Austin. Great, great worker, man, and a big name, and uh, going to be huge in, uh, in that territory. Uh, the Gulf Coast was going to get his first look at one of the great wrestlers that's going to be huge in the future of that territory, and that's Jimmy Gold. And Jimmy's making his first Southeastern Gulf Coast uh, debut in this, in this studcast against Gorgeous George Jr., and then there's a very special loser leave match between two of the stars that had been there since the day Southeastern's uh, open business uh, along the Gulf Coast. And I'm talking about Charlie Cook, and he's going to be taking on Dr. D, David Schultz, in a loser leave match. So a lot going on for those two guys. And then the new tag champions, tag champions Don Carson and the Assassin, managed by Billy Spears. We're defending their belts against my brother Rob and Tony Charles. But uh, uh, but we won't know uh, much about that until the upcoming TV show. That doesn't get uh, squared away until this TV show comes on, actually. <laughs> and then the main event for, was for the Southeastern title, uh, the Mongolian Stomper managed by Gorgeous George Jr. Uh, versus the territory's undoubtedly hottest babyface, Bob Armstrong. That is a really great six-match card. So two title matches, a loser-leaves match, and two new baby faces in the first three matches. So how about the TV show that promoted this card? It had to be a big one to get it all set up. Well, it opened with the Southeastern Tag Team Champions, Don Carson, the Assassin, and Billy Spears. And uh, they're already at the set when the show opens up. Uh, they're with Charlie. And, uh, and Charlie, uh, you know, is uh, seated there, uh, and so is Billy Spears. And uh, he's got Carson and uh, the, uh, the assassin behind him. And uh, they got their belts over their shoulders, and uh, Spears gets right to the point, man, uh, at the beginning of this program. And uh, since, uh, you know, he had asked Charlie Platt if uh, he could say something uh, earlier before the show opened. So Charlie brought him out there, had him sitting there, and uh, so – Right away, uh, it was uh, it, it was Spears' opportunity to talk, and he didn't have a problem as usual. He was the Ron Wright of the Gulf, Gulf Coast, and you know he had the best tag team in the world too. As a matter of fact, as that that's what he thought anyway, and he wanted to prove it. He said he wanted to prove he had the best tag team in the world today on TV, and that his team was going to defend their belts today right here on the television show. And Southeastern officials could pick anybody they wanted to to go for the belts. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty mouthy there right off the bat, you know? Yeah. So then Charlie was pretty sharp, you know, and he goes, you know, well, hell, I think he says, I, I, that's a great idea, you know? He says, uh, but I wished you to let the company know about this idea before the show went on the air. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's going to pick somebody at the last minute. So, you know, he said that at least that that'd be able to say that the Southeastern officials, you'd give them time to at least find a good team. Uh, but with this set short notice, you know, uh, either way, he says, I think this is going to be great. Glad you're putting your champion's belts on the line on television, you know, and it wasn't scheduled. And uh, and uh, we're going to schedule this match for last in today's show. Give, give us opportunity to figure out who the heck to, to put in there with you. So as soon as they cleared the set, Bob Armstrong, Tony Charles, 
uh, got the, the uh, studio audience ready for what's going to be a great TV show. And uh, they came to the set and they watched the wild classic uh, tag match uh, championship match for Mobile, Alabama three days earlier. And uh, this video started off with Tony Charles making a hot tag to Bob Armstrong who made one of those tremendous comebacks that he was famous for, man. And uh, he was uh, beating the hell out of Carson, the assassin, and Billy Spears. Billy got involved, and he had all three of them down in the ring. And then uh, he covered the assassin, and the referee was starting to count the assassin out, uh, which that would have been for the championship. They would have been the champions at that point. But, uh, you know, um, Gorgeous George Jr., who had never gotten before, involved in uh, Billy Spears' tag team matches, he came to the ring, and he came in the ring, and uh, instead of going to Bob Armstrong, he dropped an elbow in the referee's back, who was counting, trying to count the assassin out. And then he got up, and uh, he stomped Bob in the back of the head. Bob never saw him even come in the ring. Then Tony Charles took it from there, man, uh, and he started taking care of both those managers. Gorgeous George Jr. was in the ring. Billy Spears was in the ring. Uh, Carson, the assassin, was down. Bob was down. Wow. And, wow. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, I wasn't there, but Rob told me the crowd was so loud on the video in the television station that they were watching that, uh, that uh, you know, it just uh, – it just uh, really, really said they got the studio audience involved because they were watching on the monitor and then the crowd was huge and it was really loud. And he said they, the studio audience started uh, watching it just like it was live. They were reacting to it like the video was just happening. And then Don Carson in this video loaded his glove and he stopped Tony Charles and the assassin got Armstrong up into a full Nelson and Carson was going to nail him with his loaded glove. And, uh, and when he went to throw the punch, Armstrong ducked and Carson knocked the assassin cold. And then Armstrong headbutted Don Carson and he went through the ropes out into the floor and, uh, Bob covered the assassin for the second time in the match. Uh, <laughs> And the referee, uh, you know, uh, was uh, trying to count him out again. Right? I mean, he got and dropped an elbow the first time. Now wow. he crawls over there, and he's trying to count him out again. And when he does, Mongolian Stomper enters the down ring this time. And he's there basically to save his manager for one, but then he stomped Armstrong. Uh, and this time the referee started ringing the bell. He says, well, you know, this is twice now. And uh, disqualified the champions. And then Stomper got GG. And uh, they headed for the arena floor. And Carson and uh, Spears drugged the assassin, who was still half-assed, half uh, unconscious at this point. And they drug him out to the floor. And all five of those guys had to be surrounded by the policeman. It's mobile. <laughs> I guess that's a good way to describe it. Mm -hmm. I've been through it myself and <laughs> been arrested from a scene like this. They got surrounded by the police, and they got them to the dressing room, and and there was just a little bit of the end of it. Uh, Rob, uh, you know, had told me that they threw bottles, but uh, he said that the bottles came flying. You could see uh, all the debris coming from the fans. It was crazy deal, normal t normal mobile deal, man. And, uh, so uh, Bob and Tony, you know, they watched this whole thing. And at this point, they're pretty angry about it, you know. And they're like, wow, this is ridiculous, you know. We had the championship won twice. 
And then Bob told Charlie that the video, I mean, he, said, he said, it's pretty obvious in this video, the Mongolian Stomper and Gorgeous George Jr., they went out of their way to, to pinpoint me. You know, he said, Junior, it stomped me and then Stomper stomped me. And then, you know, and he said that, that he'd be more than happy to let him have him if that's what they were looking for, man. He said, I'd like to go eye to eye with the Stomper. So then the studio crowd, they popped on that, obviously, man. They, I'm sure they were ready to see somebody take care of the Stomper. Uh, so then he continued. Uh, he went on by saying he wanted the shot. At the Stomper Southeastern Belt, he'd been wanting it for a long time, mm. and he had worn that belt long before the Stomper arrived, which is true. Mm. He and I switched it back and forth mm -hmm. uh, several times, but, you know, he hadn't had that belt on in a while, and he said he'd like to get that belt back, and the crowd loved that, too. So so then Tony jumped in, and he said, you know, they they just heard the challenge that big mouth Billy Spears was out there with you, Charlie, and he opened the show, and he, he said his team would wrestle anybody uh, that Southeastern officials picked for a tag match right here on television today. And he said that he and Bob would be glad, more than happy, to volunteer to, to be those opponents uh, right here on TV. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, crowd, the crowd's really into it. They're popped again, right? <laughs> Listen, there hadn't even been a match yet, and already three huge roars from the studio crowd. So, so what's next? Well, Billy Spears came back to the set, and uh, he was screaming that his champions would absolutely not defend their belts against Bob Armstrong and Tony Charles on TV. You know, he's like, hey, we just defended our belts against these guys. And, you know, and he said that, you know, they just had their match on the video that you just watched there, and that Bob Armstrong had just admitted he wanted a shot at the Mongolian Stomper. So, you know, that, uh, you know, and that he said, and he said, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't just say, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with either one of them. And he says, you know, Tony Charles can pick anybody he wants other than Bob Armstrong to be his partner. And, uh, and we'll take that, those two guys on. So, um, that's when, uh, my brother came out. He joined Bob and Tony at the set, and uh, there's another round of applause. And then Don Carson and the assassin, they came out and got behind Billy, you know, to protect him. And uh, Rob was at this point, man, he said the studio was really up. They were really ready to see something happen. And uh, he said Rob asked Tony if he'd be willing to let him be his partner for a shot at the tag championship mm -hmm. in the last match of the show. And that he had a big score to settle with these idiots, too, he called them, pointing <laughs> at Spears and his team. And that they were responsible for, obviously, me not being there anymore. Mm -hmm. And now his father had been hurt. So uh, Tony said he had loved to have Rob as a partner. And uh, and that was another big pop. And uh, now they got a main event that's going to be a pretty cool deal. Uh, tempered man at this point. We're flaring on both sides of the desk. And Charlie's obviously sitting in the middle of all this and kind of gets concerned about the situation. And he he kind of quickly took control. He said, uh, he said he was sure under the circumstances Southeastern officials would agree to this match and that Bob Armstrong obviously deserved a Southeastern title match with the Mongolian Stomper. Hmm. Uh, and he said he'd like to see that happen this coming week. And uh, after what happened in Mobile, he deserved that shot. 
And then Tony Charles uh, was going to be allowed to have Rob as a partner for a Southeastern Tag Championship on TV today. So the studio just kept exploding. They were, <laughs> this is all building towards something good, man, on this show. And then Charles asked the ring announcer, uh, Charlie, you know, to try to settle things down. He threw it up to the ring, said, hey, let's get the first match going. Listen, that studio had to be on fire. I mean, after all that, and it was only going to be the first match. And who was in that first match? Well, the Mongolian Stomper was in the very first <laughs> match, man. So, you know, this thing is really cranked up. And, uh, him and Gorgeous George Jr. come out. <laughs> Are you kidding? All right, so did he charge the studio crowd like usual? <laughs> Even worse than usual. <laughs> I guess they're sitting back here watching the monitor, and they go, "Wow, man, we need to do something here." So, uh, wow. And wow. Then, they, then you know, he 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 just he just went nuts with the studio audience, had them all going crazy, and then he destroyed his opponent while Gigi was uh, went to Charlie Platt back to the back to the set, his first chance to complain, and uh, he was a. Uh, uh, he was saying, Charlie, what gives you the authority to make a decision like Bob Armstrong can have a title match with my champion? Because you're not the promoter here. You don't the guy who you don't have the right to do that. And by obviously by this point, the show's really rocking, man. And uh, and as a fan favorite, Charlie Cook, uh, you know, after the first interview, he came to the set and he watched the video from the night before in Dothan, and uh, it showed both him and David Schultz being disqualified. Uh, they had that uh, second, uh, they had started out with a four-corner match. The two of them ended up the last two in the ring. They got into it. They were disqualified. There was going to be a $1,000 bonus. Then it changed to $2,000. And uh, and he asked uh, that this time uh, they have another one because they had, they had a second one that they got disqualified. And he said, let's just make this thing a loser leave town. You know, he said, I'm willing to. Wow. To, wow. If I can't beat David Schultz and as long as we have been fighting back and forth, mm -hmm. he goes, one of us needs to go. So, uh -huh. you know, so the man had just challenged David Schultz uh, <laughs> and um, and he was on his way to the ring. That was the person in the in the in the match, uh, you know, in the in the second match, and he had his big TV trophy that he had won from Tony Charles on the last TV, and uh, he was screaming at Charlie Cook, who was still at the desk, as he was on his way to the ring, that you got it, you want to lose or leave, you got it, man. He goes, I love it. Uh, so Rob said the TV and you know the TV enhancement talent, those people that we brought in to wrestle these stars on TV. He said, "My gosh, Ron, they were having a bad day." He said Stomper um, annihilated his, and he goes, "Schultz was even worse on the second." One. He goes, "Wow," he said, "I was afraid we weren't going to get guys to come to TV anymore." <laughs> So the personality profile was next. That was with Gorgeous George Jr. and his Stomper. And uh, Stomper had his championship belt on at this point, and he was pumping. Now, he'd already wrestled, but he he's, he's pumping his big old tire truck shock, man, uh, while this is all going on. And there was about a five-minute profile. He never stopped, you know, uh, pumping that thing. And uh so then Gigi watched a, a film from Montgomery, a video from Montgomery where my dad had been stomped in the face by the Mongol in a match and uh, had to be carried out of the ring. 
And uh, Rob said the Stomper man in the background, and when they came out of that video, he said he was sweating like a maniac, man. <laughs> Down Charlie's back, said it was dripping on Charlie. <laughs> and, uh, he said, wow, he looked absolutely ferocious, man. <laughs> I've never seen him look so good. Uh, then Bob Armstrong was in the third match. And uh, I have, I've, like, uh, like always, he tore the tore the house down, man. He tore that studio up, and uh, he won with a sleeper hold. Uh, now he's got him a championship match coming up the following week, and then the last match, obviously, was the Southeastern Tag Championship match. Billy Spears, champions Don Carson and the Assassin were going to wrestle against Tony Charles and my brother Robert, and uh, this one ended just about as wild as the match in Mobile three nights earlier. Uh, Rob said, uh, you know, he told me that uh, he, he he was bleeding during the course of the match, and then he and Tony uh, had a chance to win it. They were about to win the match, and uh, Billy Spears tried to stop Rob. I think Rob said he was he was being he was uh, going back and forth from the ropes, and uh, Billy Spears reached in there, tried to trip him, and he stomped Spears' hand and. And Spears, I can't imagine this part of it, he said, but Spears got so mad he charged in the ring like he was going to do something to Rob. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as soon as Spears got in the ring, well, the referee rang the bell for the disqualification of his champions. And Rob said, Spears came flying through the ropes and he's standing up. He said, I just put the fuller leg lock on him. You know, <laughs> so, so he's got Spears in a fuller leg lock and he says, uh, George, Gorgeous George Jr. again comes to the ring like he had done in Mobile, <laughs> you know, and he, you know, to, to save Billy, you know, I guess the two managers were getting pretty close. And uh, Rob said he got stomped. He stomped him again like he had uh, before. And then while both Carson and the assassin uh, had Tony down at that point, uh, he said that it was going pretty crazy in the studio by that time. And I uh, said, uh, the next one to enter the ring, there were four heels in there, was uh, Bob Armstrong. And and uh, Rob said he just cleared that ring, man. He started stomping and chopping everybody in sight, and the studio is going nuts. And uh, Stomper, uh, Stomper then came to the ring himself. Uh, he got Bob. He stomped, He stopped Bob, and then he threw him in the ropes, and he went for a big uh, punch, and uh, Bob ducked it. And they put the sleeper hold on the stomper. Now the bell was ringing, the referee's down. Uh, it's just crazy, Rob said, until, the, you know, all the heels then took a powder and uh, hit the floor. So last interview was Bob and Rob and Tony. All those three guys were at the set talking about championship matches. And then uh, both the manager, Spears and Gigi, the stomper and Carson, uh, and the assassin, the, all of those guys were live in another studio. Wow. Okay. So I can only imagine how that two minutes went after all that, that had just happened in the last match. Well, Charlie Platt kind of ended it all uh, by telling <laughs> everyone, you know, after the interview was over, you mm -hmm. know, the, 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 that they didn't want to miss next week's TV show. <laughs> that fans were going to get next week on television, the Battle Royal. Uh, 
Wow. You know, and they basically had had a battle royal almost in the last match on this TV. But Charlie said, you know, next week uh, we've already scheduled it. Uh, never have, this hardly ever happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're going to have it next week, a battle royal on television. Oh, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. All right. So everything is setting up for the next week in the arenas in the three major markets. What happened there? Well, newcomer, Frankie Lane, he uh, got a win over Sir Winston. Uh, and then uh, Norvell Austin, uh, he got the best of uh, Ricky Fields, who was a pretty pretty good little wrestler, Ricky Fields. But uh, Norvell Austin, man, he, he's pretty much in his prime at this point. Uh, Jimmy Golden, wow, Rob told me, Jimmy Golden tore the house down, man. He said on the end of his match against Gorgeous George Jr., he climbed up on that top rope, and he hit Gorgeous George Jr. with a drop kick with both feet in the face. And he said, uh, Gorgeous George never touched the ropes. He went straight, landed on his back on the concrete, slid across, slid across the floor. And, uh, and uh, he couldn't get back in the ring before the 10 count. He was still laying there. Referee counted him out. And the stomper had to come down and get him. And Rob said Stomper threw him over his shoulder and carried him back to the dress room. So Gigi didn't have a very good night. Uh, but Rob said Jimmy got over big time. Uh, David Schultz uh, sent Charlie Cook packing, man. Uh, Rob said it was a great match. And uh, and Charlie Cook was headed back to southeastern Knoxville for the first time. I shouldn't say back. It was going to be his first time in Knoxville. And uh, – and he's going to have a pretty good run there. Uh, both main events, the Stomper and Bob Armstrong uh, for the Southeastern belt and the Don Carson and Assassin versus Rob and uh, Tony Charles for the tag belts. Uh, both those matches ended in about disqualification uh, of the heels in both instances. Wow. All right. So three major cities ahead. How did you do on attendance on those? Well, we did about uh, 3,700 in Montgomery. We did uh, over 5,000 in Mobile, 5,100 in Mobile, and uh, over 4,000, 4,600 in Dothan. Wow. So we had about 13,400 fans in those three towns uh, the week before Thanksgiving. Right. That's a a pretty good – Wow, for a territory that was been totally dead this time the year before, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a pretty amazing figure. Oh, no doubt, and really all three, all three of those cities. That's a great card and TV too in, in southeastern Gulf Coast, no doubt. Hey, this is a good place for a break. Let's do that when we come back. Southeastern Knoxville will be the focus on this Studcast. Stay with us. Hey, what's up, Studcast fans? Have you checked out Rod's website lately? TNstud.com will send you to a world of old-school wrestling. You'll find videos of his matches, every Studcast ever done, every super Studcast ever done, all in the three-hour range, only $2.99 each, his stud store, where you can find all kinds of wrestling products, Plus, his best-selling novel, Brutus, hundreds of classic photos on both his gallery and his studcast page. It's all a walk through wrestling history, and most of it is free. When today's studcast is finished, take a ride on TNstud.com and enjoy old-school wrestling as it was meant to be. All right, Studcast fans, welcome back in. Episode number 276, Alabama Loser Leaves, Tennessee Six-Man 
elimination. All right, so let's keep moving. Okay, Stud, I think you said we were going to be talking about the November 17th, 1978 Knoxville Coliseum card on this Studcast. So who was on it? Well, there's only going to be a one newcomer on this card, uh, but there will be. But he's going to be a big-name talent, and uh, he's going to be returning, obviously, for his second run in Knoxville. And uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, the opening match was the Mighty Yankee, who is a pretty good talent man. Had been around the South uh, in probably every territory, worked on top and most of them. Uh, he was in his second week, and he got a win over Ted Allen, who is a pretty darn good worker himself and a guy that's going to train one of the greatest of all time, Arn Anderson, down the road. Uh, Terry Gibbs was facing off against, uh, here's the guy, Bob Orton Jr., uh, the wrestler that I mentioned a whole lot in this uh, cast so far. Uh, so Gibbs has got a he's got a he's got a tough night ahead of him. Uh, Dennis Hall was back for just his second southeastern match, and uh, he hadn't been in Knoxville since late September, but uh, he was there this time to try and collect uh, his good friend Kevin Sullivan's ten thousand dollar bounty money, and all he had to do was put Ron Wright in the hospital. <laughs> so. So he's mm-hmm. uh, he's back to see if he can do something to to help his buddy uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, next match was a very unusual tape fist tag match. We didn't have many of those, and uh, the Southeastern Tag Champions Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson, who were presented by Ron Wright, uh, they're facing a totally new team in this event. Uh, Jimmy Golden uh, was gone. Obviously, he had lost, uh, and him and Rip Smith uh, lost the week before, and they had to split up for at least a year as a team. And Jimmy went south, man. So Rip Smith had a new partner uh, for this uh, southeastern Gulf Coast. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, Mike Stallings was this partner. And obviously, Mike had spent most of this past uh, 78 down in southeastern Gulf Coast. And if uh, Smith and Stallings won the match, the deal was for this. It was not a championship match, but they were going to receive a title match the next week if they could beat these the tag team in a uh, tape fist tag match. Mm-hmm. Then the main event was a six-man elimination match. It had Ronnie Garfin, Ken Lucas, and the returning Kevin Sullivan. This time he's going to be in the ring rather than handcuffed to Ron Wright. And they were going to be against the great Malenko, Bob Roop, and the controversial Mass Destroyer. See, that's another great, uh, really good five-card, five-match card. So th- the thing is, I can't wait to hear about the six-man elimination tag with Bob Roop and the Mass Destroyer, both in the ring at the same time. So who was on the TV show six days before this card setting all this up? Well, I'd been back in Knoxville for about three weeks at this point, and uh, I was able to sit at home and watch every one of the TVs. And uh, and then uh, I sneaked in and out of the Coliseum a couple of times when we were in the Coliseum. I couldn't sneak into the park building uh, without being seen, but I didn't want fans to know that I was back. And uh, I was trying not to be seen. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting TV show, kind of like the last one, as a matter of fact. So, uh, so Les opened it up, uh, uh, you know, in a tight shot uh, by announcing that there's going to be a rare six-man elimination tag on this television show. 
And uh, it's going to be Ronnie Garvin. It's going to be Kevin Sullivan and Ken Lucas. And uh, that got the show off to a pretty good start. Fans really liked that opportunity. These were really good and good matches, these elimination matches. They went on for a pretty decent period of time, usually. And a whole lot of things could happen in that type of match. So when the cameras backed away from the tight shot of Liss, announcing that there's an elimination match on the, today's show, uh, there sat Ron Wright, and uh, he had his champions behind him, and they were proudly wearing their championship belts, and Wright couldn't wait to get the video going from the night before because it was going to show his team winning, getting himself a victory. It was going to He was going to cover the fact that they had kept their belts and that they didn't have to split up. That's what he was worried about, that the loser of this t- match uh, had to split up as a team. And, uh, and he loved the fact that Jimmy Golden was – was beaten and then Rip Smith was uh, separated from Golden uh, for at least a year. They couldn't wrestle his team anymore and that wasn't going to bother his team. And then he wanted to brag about how great his team was. Kind of like, I guess, in a way, what Billy Spears had done uh, opening show, uh, part of the show down south. Uh, Wright's really, you know, he's saying that his team uh, is about the greatest that has ever been. And uh, and uh, he was talking about uh, how wonderful it was to have eliminated the team last week for an entire year. And in the same sentence, he started complaining about the next team that's coming up, you know. And he said uh, that he wasn't going to allow his, 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 uh, his team, uh, his champions, to wrestle a new team. Uh, Rip Smith is going to be partnering with Mike Stallings. He goes, why would I give, we give them a championship match? They don't even know each other. They had never wrestled together. You know, they ain't going to get a championship match, you know. And he said, they got to prove themselves. So, um, you know, Les said, you know, that, well, this new team happens to be uh, wrestling today right here in the first match of the show, you know. And uh, I guess we're going to find out how good they are. And Wright cut him off, man. And he said, you know, he said, Liss, you know, and as Ron would say, you know, Liss, that's where he goes. Uh, they just wrestling a couple of jabronis up there. That ain't like my champions. You know, that ain't enough to prove anything. <laughs> so, you know, and then he said his team would, he says, uh, you know, my team's only going to defend the belts. Uh, we'll do it in the tape fist match. You know, uh, if these boys will tape up their fists and let my boys tape up their fists uh, next Friday night, if they beat my boys in the tape fist match, he goes, uh, you know, uh, he says, we'll give them that match, you know. And he said, you know, he's, and he says, you know, the one thing about that, Les, is, 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 is the Smith and Stallings, he said, they just going to get a good old Tennessee dog whooping. And he goes, they probably after that dog whooping ain't going to even want a chance at the belt. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> they want to change their minds, right? They're going to get beat up so bad, they're not going to want to wrestle them anymore. No, no. You know, so. <laughs> Well, you know, in the studio crowd, they let him know what they thought about that. You know, that's like, oh, they booed him like crazy. Well, you know, and then his team boy behind him, they was patting him on the back. Ron, you keep going. Oh, you know how Ron was, man. He didn't need much encouragement to run that mouth. And so he told Les, you know, as a... He says, that's all I got to say about it. And he got up and he started to leave and... uh 
And then he stopped and he turned back to Les and he, and he said, it's been your pleasure to have us on the opening of the show because nobody can follow us. And they went on to the dressing room. So as they walked away, Les, Les got, he was so crazy about the show, man. It was his deal, man. And he was, he was upset by the, by the little remark about nobody could follow him in there. And Les says, while he's walking off, he says, well, that fact remained to be seen. And then he threw it up to the ring for a ring introduction of Smith and Stallings. So they had their fist tape, man, <laughs> six days before the tape fist match. But they're ready already, man. And they look ready for the next Friday night. And uh, they were they were ready to do their deal, man. And they looked like they'd been a team for years. I was... I was watching the show going, well, these guys look like they've wrestled together for a long down time. And it didn't take long for them to beat their opponents, man. And uh, and they did it by throwing the two guys together. And then uh, both of them, both the two guys finally got up. And, well, they already had the big tape fist, so they both hit them with right hands. And, uh, wow, they covered both of them in the middle of the ring. It was a pretty good win for a team that had never wrestled together. <laughs> Pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, so then the, the new team, uh, you know, they got fired up. The studio was, they popped. The studio was really into them. And uh, they got fired up. And, uh, you know, they had, and they died. They earned the title shot. And uh, they they go, went to the, de- the set, boy, and really ready to, ready to talk. And uh, they actually held their own against Ron Wright in the interview, man. And his champions were with him in Studio B. And uh, and then when they cut to Studio B, I mean, Wright probably sat there and they watched this match and the boys had their fist tape. Well, then they got to Studio B, Ron Wright's team had their fist tape. I mean, they looked like they were going to go at it right there on TV. So that, that the match uh, was going to be very interesting, man, the following week for new team against some pretty good champions, man, of uh, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson. So Dennis Hall, you know, he's a close friend of Kevin Sullivan. Uh, he was next on the card. He was in the second match, and uh, the, he was in that 10,000 bounty match with Ron Wright, Incorporated. I need to throw that in there. I'm sure Ron Wright would have liked me to throw that in there. He wasn't just Ron Wright anymore. He's a, he's a company, a corporation. And uh, Hall was a veteran competitor, man. Uh, he was a darn good wrestler, Dennis Hall, and uh, and he showed it in this match. And Kevin Sullivan came, joined him for the second interview, uh, explaining to the fans that Ron Wright uh, refused to wrestle him uh, since his injury. Kevin said, you know, the only reason that Dennis is here is Ron Wright won't wrestle me. Uh, and if he did, I'm going to put him in the hospital and I wouldn't have to pay somebody for it. But he says, uh, I'm going to keep my fans coming until – until somebody, uh, one of them puts Ron Wright in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. he was very serious about the hospital deal. And, you know, he says, uh, if Ron Wright ain't going to give me a chance to do it myself, I'm just going to have one of my friends do it for me. <laughs> so then came the personality profile, had Ronnie Garvin, Kevin Sullivan, and uh, also the big star, man, great wrestler, Ken Lucas, that had just, just come into the territory. The next Friday night, they were in a six-man elimination tag against the great Malenko, Bob Roop, and the Mass Destroyer. And uh, so they watched the video from the night before. 
they had wrestled them the night before had been Garvin and Lucas against Malenko and Destroyer and Sullivan had been handcuffed to Ron Wright. And uh, it was a pretty wild match. And, uh, and it got even more wild after the match was over and Garvin and Lucas had won the match. But when they took the handcuffs off of Sullivan and Wright, they got into it. And, uh, and then the, all four of the other guys got back into it. Uh, uh, that thing ended up a really pretty crazy deal right there at the end of uh, end of it all. And uh, so most of the discussion during this profile, though, was about the subject uh, that you brought up a little bit earlier, Dave. Mm-hmm. That was Bob Root and the so-called mass destroyer, right. who most fans thought was also Bob Roop. How's Bob Roop going to be both of these guys in the same match, right? Right. Is he going to do that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So it was certainly going to be a very intriguing match, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Is that, uh, is that all you're going to tell us about this, Rod? I mean, what what is happening with Bob Roop? <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about the match, Dave. We'll get to that. Uh, you know, but let's finish the TV first. You know, I mean, okay. <laughs> so let's put it in the proper order. For uh, okay, Stud. So, who is in the next match on the TV show? <laughs> right, so, uh, you know, you just ask. Uh, you had just ask about him. As a matter of fact, uh-huh. the guy uh-huh. was in the next match was Bob Roop. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the great right. Malenko and the Mass Destroyer. When Bob Root comes to the ring, they come with him. The, the mask destroyer has the mask on, and he, he's he got the Bob Root outfit on, and he looks exactly like Bob Root. It's like, wait a minute. What in the heck? And uh, so during the TV match, which uh, Root won real quick, right, and he, he won it with a shoulder breaker, and uh-huh. another kid went got carried out, you know, uh, I'm sure fans were really wondering, well, wow, what in, what is going on here, right? Man, this is getting crazy. All right, so let's get the TV over with and get into what what happened the following Friday night. Well, you know, everybody enjoyed a quick uh, six-man elimination tag at the end of this TV match. Uh, Garvin, Sullivan, Lucas, man, they just destroyed the other team. In fact, uh, they won – when these elimination matches and you beat one guy, you get to pick your next opponent. And uh, none of these three, none of these three big superstars lost. So three straight guys were out. Bang, bang, bang. It didn't last too long, this elimination match. Uh, the three stars didn't lose at all. And uh, the team they were facing all got beat pretty darn quickly. Uh, that brought us to the last interview of the show, and uh, it was done by Garvin and Solomon and Lucas at the set, and Malenko and Narup, and the Mass Destroyer were in Studio B. Uh, every one of those six guys got involved and talked in the interview, except for the Destroyer, who, as usual, never said a word. He had since he had since he had arrived, he had never said a word. So, uh, so Les closed out the TV. Mm. Uh, had a little tease for the next show. He said the great Malenko was going to be defending his TV trophy against a returning star mm-hmm. next week. Uh, that happened to be a very tall wrestler. And he happened to be the brother <laughs> of the man Malenko had won the TV trophy from. You know, and so needless to say, the fans figured out pretty quick who he was probably talking about. And as the show went off the air, it was a big round of applause for next week. 
All right, I can't take it anymore, Ryan. So can you hurry through the results of these matches and, and get to the last one? Step it up, step it up. Okay, all right. So, well, the mighty Yankee beat Ted Allen in the first match. Uh, Bob Orton Jr. won his first match back in Knoxville over Terry Gibbs. And, wow, uh, you know, I was able to get in the Coliseum without people knowing I was there. And and I watched him, man, and he did something that uh, I had never seen before. He did an inverted pile driver instead of just putting the guy head between your legs and the guy's back of his head is facing your body. He turned him around face first and put him his head in and he pile drive him in an inverted pile driver. Uh, wow. It was unbelievable, man. And uh, they carried the guy out. They carried him out. Uh, uh, Terry Gibbs uh, was good star. He was going to be a great young wrestler. Uh, uh, he's going to be uh, going to southeastern uh, Gulf Coast, but uh, they carried him out that night, and uh, uh, and he never came back. That was Terry Gibbs' last uh, last match ever in uh, in wow. Knoxville and in southeastern Knoxville. For real, wow! And then in the uh, in the ten thousand dollar bounty match, uh, Dennis Hall uh, worked on Ron Wright's leg. Uh, the entire match, which which made sense, you know. Uh, if you're going to send somebody to the hospital, you better focus on something that get it done. And uh, Wright was in a whole lot of pain during the course of the match, and Ron Wright fought like crazy, and he tried to leave the ring a couple of times, and uh, Hall went and got him, brought him back, threw him in the ring, and then finally Hall put the figure four on him, man. Now, he's already worked on the leg, and, uh, you know, I figured this is it, man. This is going to do it. And then the destroyer came down to the ring, uh, and he dropped an elbow on Hall because he's got the figure four, and you're pretty helpless when you are got your legs all intertwined with somebody and you're laying on your back. You can't get your legs unhooked. And uh, so then the destroyer just dropped an elbow on him, and then he got uh, Ron White disqualified. Referee rang the bell, and obviously Wright lost the match. But uh, obviously, too, the destroyer saved Wright from further injury. Man, maybe taking a trip to the hospital. And uh, and, th- and then this one wasn't over yet. Uh, Kevin, you know, always watched these matches. And why not? I mean, it was his personal friends that were in the ring, and it was his money. Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. Thousand dollars. You know, he's going to watch these matches. And uh, so he saw the destroyer, uh, what the destroyer did. And then he went to the ring, man. Uh, and uh, the destroyer threw the referee out of the ring. And then while he, uh, while he was uh, trying to help, uh, the referee was there trying to help Tennis Hall get back up on his feet. And the destroyer just grabbed the referee, threw him over the top rope. And then he grabbed Hall, Dennis, and he threw him over his shoulder. He was going to give him a shoulder breaker. But Kevin was right there. He had made it to the ring at that point, and he dived into the ring. And he didn't have enough time to grab a hold of Hall's body and maybe drag him off his shoulders. So Kevin did something I hadn't seen in in years. He just just dived into the back of the destroyer's knees. And that collapsed the destroyer, and he had Hall on his shoulders, and uh, and the destroyer hurt his ankles. I mean, you know, he couldn't get up. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin then went and got Hall and, uh, and the referee, and they helped Hall back to the dressing room. Uh, 
And then uh, Malenko and Bob Orton Jr. came down to the ring, and they helped the Destroyer back to the dressing room. So uh, the next match was the Tate Fist tag match, and uh, that was uh, Rip Smith and Mike Stallings against Condry and Nickerson. And obviously they were presented by Ron Wright Incorporated. Uh, and the Tennessee dog whooping that Wright had promised on TV, uh-huh. it happened. <laughs> but it was done by Smith and Stallings instead of his team. Oh, they opened up, man, and they beat the heck out of Wright's men. They busted both of them open with those tape fists, and they won right in the middle of the ring. So it was like, wow, it, it was pretty humiliating. I figure for Wright, you know, and uh, they were going to be back next week, and they they were going to get a shot now at the championship belts. So, and they had earned it. So then the main event was scheduled. Is Ronnie Garvin, Kevin Sullivan, and Ken Lucas in a six-man elimination tag match against Malenko, Roop, and the Destroyer. But the Destroyer didn't come. You know, he had already uh, suffered an injury in the match, two matches previously, and uh, Bob Orton Jr. took the Destroyer's place. And the fans were pretty upset by that fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't like Orton to begin with, and they sure didn't like Orton coming out there and taking place. They're like you, I think, Dave's like, what, what in the heck, man? We want to see how this is going to work out. Right. And I think the fact that Bob Roop was a uh, <laughs> – it, they really gave the whole thing away because Bob Roop uh, was there at the ring – but he, he never got out of the corner. He never got in the ring the entire match. Wow. And it looked like he was having a hard time standing up. Wow. So that might answer your question, Dave. Okay. Okay. All right. So how did the match end up? Well, that match was declared a no contest. Uh, both teams uh, got disqualified, man. Yeah, I can understand that. All right. That's a very interesting, really interesting night of wrestling for the Southeastern Knoxville fans. And how did you do? What was the box like? Well, it was just over 5,000 fans again. And uh, it was the first time in weeks that uh, they had topped that 5,000 again. Uh, wow. Okay. All right. Hey, Ron, uh, good news. I'm checking time on the show. And because fans enjoy these so much, it looks like we've got time for another learning tree question. Let's do that. This one is about your father again. It comes from a gentleman named Roger Barnes. He asked, since we learned more about your father from a lady's question last week, he seems like he was a good guy and evidently pretty tough. Do you have any quick stories about his toughness? <laughs> well, the, well, that's a good question. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, let me just uh, get, gather some thoughts here. Okay. Uh, you know, it seems like my father's getting over on the stud cast, Dave. You know, I mean, last week he was he was like, he was the star at the end of the show, and yep. he's like, here he is again at the end of the show, a star. You know, uh, and uh, and Mr. Barnes, I think that's what the guy's name was yep. Uh, yep. that asked the question. That's right. I, I, I can think of one story instantly, and uh, and hopefully, as I tell this one, I might be able to come up with a couple more, but. Uh, I remember when I was in college, my first year of college, as a matter of fact, and uh, I came home and uh, and uh, and we lived on a farm in Georgia. And I came home for a few days and I had a couple of friends that lived in that area. And uh, so they I had a couple of buddies that came and visited me. 
and uh, and the three of us were out in the field with with my with my my father, Buddy. Uh-huh. We we'll call him uh-huh. Buddy. Right. Okay. Right. So, so me and my two buddies are out there with Buddy, with my dad, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know. Where there, there's a tractor in the field, and he's he's got a bush hog behind him, right? And uh, and we're kind of walking around and and talking, and uh, you know, Dad's telling the story, I think, and uh, and the track, you know, the and we kind of pass behind the tractor, you know, and uh, and uh, the bush hog about that time ran over a pile of rocks, man. And uh, one of them, you know, you you've seen, you know how these bush hogs work, man. Oh I mean, yeah, those oh, son of guns, That blade is is just twirling in there, and it threw a, a a rock about the size of a baseball, man. Came out shooting out of the back of the bush hog, uh-uh. like a rocket, man. And uh, so we're all three, all four of us standing kind of fairly close together, man, walking and talking, and uh. And my dad was telling a story, and 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 you and imagine that, Dave. We are telling the story, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh-huh. So the so the rock from the bush hog hit dad right in the chin, right? Whoa! And it and it sounded like a rock hitting a tree, man. Uh, and it flew. It just it hit him in the chin, and then it ricocheted off of his face. Like he was a tree. Are you kidding? <laughs> huh? Are you huh? kidding? No, no. I mean, a big rock, big rock, almost the size of a baseball. Hey. You know, come out of the bush hog and hit yeah. him right in the chin, bang, and while he's talking. And it, and, it, and it sounded like it sounded like it hit a tree, like a thud, boom, and then it ricocheted off. And, uh. And then, and then it hit him hard enough that it forced his head down, you know, bang, it hit him in the chin and forced his head down and it cut his chin bad and it almost knocked him down. He wow. kind of staggered a little bit and then he quickly recovered his balance and he never missed a sentence in the story. Oh, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> and he didn't sell that the rock even hit him, right? Oh, my God. You know? Like it never happened. Right. I mean, he got hit by this giant rock at uh, 100 miles an hour and uh, cut his chin, and he's bleeding, and he just went on with the story. <laughs> God. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> so then, you know, and <laughs> so those guys, later on, they told me, you know, later in the day, they end up staying there most of the day. Later on, they told me that that rock would have knocked them unconscious and they'd still be laying there <laughs> four no, hours later. No doubt. So, wow. So, and that would kind of bring to mind another one. This happened the same day. You know, so uh, the, after this happened, we were still out there in the field. We didn't go home. Dad never went home. You know, well, he got his handkerchief out and he, he kind of got his chin to quit bleeding. And uh, and we just went ahead and kind of <laughs> just walked around and then did whatever, hung out and uh, did several. They walked off all over the farm, basically. And uh, so um, that same afternoon, still had the same guys there. And uh, and these these boys uh, knew I was a pretty good wrestler because uh, because we always had a ring in the barn, man, back in those days, and uh, they had been there a lot of times, and I wrestled against them, you know, and wow, they couldn't do nothing, you know, but but uh, they they knew that I was pretty decent at this point, and uh, so 
Dad had kind of separated himself from us. He walked on in front of us a little bit, and uh, we were headed back toward the house. And there was a gate that you had to go through. And uh, he was in front of us, and he was kind of standing up by the gate, you know, waiting on us, going to let us come on in and close the gate. And uh, and they whispered to me, man. They said, uh, why don't you take see if you can take your dad down, <laughs> right? Take him down. <laughs> yeah. right? Wrestling move, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah. So and then I'm, you know, it's my first year in college, and I'm about six eight. I weighed probably about two thirty. Uh-huh. You know, and you know, and I, so you know, and they challenged me, and I was like, well, I'll be darned. You know, what do I do? So uh, we got to the gate, and uh, and we walked through, and um, and uh, then Dad turned his back to me to close the gate. Right. And, and when he turned his back to close the, the gate I just shot in behind him man I wrapped my arms around his waist and I kind of dropped a leg behind both of his feet and I drug him down and r- rolled over on top of him man and I'd done it man uh, you know I, wow it was just bang bang like that he never he knew he didn't expect it and I I took him down man uh, but uh, gee, it was then uh, time to pay the price for it. Uh oh. Uh oh. I didn't consider the, what might happen afterwards. So, so uh, he instantly, man, popped up on his hands and knees, man, and uh, and I was behind him, and he reached back there and he grabbed uh, my inner thigh, man, and he spun himself out from underneath me and around on top of me. And instead of me being on top of him, he was on top of me. <laughs> And then, and then the next thing that happened is he took the back of my head. He reached and took the back of my head, and he shoved my face straight down in the dirt. Right? Oh, and then he reached back and grabbed my right leg, and he jerked up my right leg so hard that both of my feet came up in the air. And then he ran my face like a plow through the dirt straight <laughs> for about 10 feet. Wow. And then when he got when he got me to where he would wanted to, I guess he had done what he wanted to do. He didn't say a word. He just dropped me belly first, and he stood up and went right straight to the house as if nothing had happened. He <laughs> left me laying there in the dirt. Oh <laughs> and, and my two buddies, they cracked up there laughing like crazy. Yeah. Until I got up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. It was their fault. Oh, my like, God. Oh, my boys. Wow. This ain't good. <laughs> so, uh, well, I got one more, man. Uh, you know, and, uh, this one's kind of a little, a little short one, you know. And, uh, uh-huh. So I was about, uh, you know, uh, uh, this one's kind of about uh, him, dad, not having any fear, man, of man or beast. I never saw him show any kind of fear ever. And, uh, and uh, when I was, when he was only about 18 years old and he was training to be a wrestler, uh, to show he didn't have any fear of man or beast, he and his uncle, Lester, which was my grandfather's younger brother, he's about 20 years younger than my grandfather, uh, him and dad, Lester and dad, was about the same age. They were both learning to wrestle and they trained a bear, a bear to wrestle. Right. Mm-hmm. So they were basically tough enough that they couldn't wrestle men yet, but they were wrestling bears. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good indication of, of <laughs> being fairly tough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess I'll finish it like this, man. You know, uh, 
uh, Dad had a thing about catching snakes, you know, and, and not just any kind of snake. Uh, the only ones he wanted to catch was the poisonous ones. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, catching a little uh, garter snake or black snake. Yeah. They have it in. But if you ever saw a poisonous one, I got to catch that boy, right? Right. So, <laughs> so, you know, we lived in the South, and uh, we had plenty of those around, plenty of snakes around, right? Uh, we had on, the, on, on our farms, we had water moccasins. We had copperheads. We had coral snakes. We had cottonmouths. And we had rattlesnakes. And, and the last one, the rattlesnake that I just mentioned, uh, uh, the only one I, we ever saw, he caught right in front of me and my brother. You know, we saw him. Uh, Dad's driving a tractor, and the rattlesnake uh, came out from underneath a, a thing that he ran over. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he couldn't hardly chop the tractor before he jumped off to catch that rattlesnake. <laughs> he was a rattlesnake, right? And, uh, and so he caught the snake right in front of me and Rob, and, uh, and, and then he caught it, and he said, you know, you boys need to take this to my dad, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to our grandfather, Roy, right? Yep. And, uh, and I've told this part of this story before, but we did. We took this rattlesnake to Roy, and he sewed his mouth shut, <laughs> and he— <laughs> And he used that rattlesnake to throw in the laps of his wrestling buddies, man, or riding in the car or whenever he could. He used that rattlesnake, I guess, until the rattlesnake died because he couldn't eat. But he used him to scare everybody that he was around. So, uh, you know, and uh, speaking of Roy, he might have been the only guy, uh, Mr. Barnes, that was tougher than my father. (laughs) So. (laughs) So I hope I give you some idea, Mr. Barnes, of my dad's toughness, uh, uh, one of these studcasts uh, later on, man, uh, you know, we are kind of talking about that. Maybe we'll talk about, uh, I have an opportunity to talk about his tender heart. I mean, he mm-hmm. not only was pretty tough, but he was just the opposite, too. He was really a, a soft-hearted guy. And some of those stories about your grandfather on some of the early studcasts are just unbelievable. And he's riding down the road, and he's got folks in the backseat of the car and the, the the rattlesnake is under the seat. That I mean, just incredible stories. Uh, you you <laughs> never you never cease to you you guys. If you haven't heard them, go back and check out some of those early studcasts at tnstud.com. They're all on there, and that is really the history of wrestling and riding down the road. I'm telling you that you never cease to amaze me, Rod. You make these studcasts much more than a wrestling story stud, no doubt. Every one of them is absolutely a remarkable ride. Hey, folks, I tell you what, if you'd like to become friends with Ron or to participate in the dueling cards pick and TV pick as well, but are not already friends on Facebook, you can become friends by going to his Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud Facebook page. Like him, follow him there, and automatically become friends with a legend. Look for his studcast number 276 post and then make your choice. On Twitter, find him on Twitter at Ron Fuller Welch. If you have not already done so, follow him there too. That's another way to participate. Look for his studcast number 276 post to make your choices on Twitter. The YouTube channel, Southeastern Rewind. It's filled with all kinds of information, videos and studcasts. It is also a great place to find out more about what's happening, what's new on his tremendous streaming channel, Classic Continental Wrestling. 
ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com is where you find everything that is the Tennessee stud. His classic old school TV shows are absolutely great. There are 88 Southeastern, 23 Continental, 12 Gulf Coast TV shows. They're now all in the order in which they were recorded. Hundreds more are coming. 46, 46 stud stories, six stars of the sport, four superstars of the past, 12 chapters of his audiobook Brutus, and hundreds of hours of fantastic old school wrestling already. All of this for only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year, plus the free one-week trial still available. It's the best deal in wrestling. The best deal in wrestling. You got to check it out. All right, so where are we riding next on the next Studcast, Ron? Well, we're headed in one of the best weeks in wrestling, man, traditionally. And, uh, you know, it's the biggest holiday in America, and it's the same thing for wrestling and for wrestling fans. Uh, we're headed into Thanksgiving week. Next week, uh, 1978, we'll be talking about uh, both territories. are going to have great cards, obviously. It's Thanksgiving. And also great TVs to promote those cards. Knoxville going to have a Russian torture match. They're going to have two championship matches and they're going to have another elimination match and a bounty match and, and more beyond that. Uh, Southeastern Gulf Coast card is just as loaded, man. Uh, it's got a $10,000 battle royal. It's got two championship matches. It's got a ladies match and it's got seven matches in all uh, on that card. So it's a, it's, it's plus uh, the TV, uh, is going to have a battle royal. We already talked about that. So, so you know, we didn't just discuss. Uh, and I'm sorry. I know that I mentioned earlier in the show today that we were going to talk about the big stars that were coming, the other wrestlers in the territory. They're going to be moved back and forth from one territory to the other, and why that made sense. Uh, uh, we didn't get to that last week. I mean today, but uh, next week, uh, I'm pretty sure Dave will try to have. We'll try our best to get that in there. Uh, we'll get to it next week. And uh, hopefully uh, we might even have another learning tree next week. Yeah. So want to thank everybody as always for listening today. And uh, I hope uh, if you enjoyed the ride uh, for those that uh, this is your first time. And uh, for those that have been with me for a long, long time, I hope you've enjoyed it today. And please come back again next week uh, for another look back in the wrestling history and Take care of yourselves and others, and may God bless us all. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.